0: Good to see everyone here this morning, and we're sure glad that each and every one of you are here. If we have anybody that's new this morning, we want to give you an official welcome from each and every one of us. Um, we can always have you come up and sing a special, but uh, I think we'll refrain from that this morning, right? Some of you were headed for the door. We're glad you sn- you're not. No, but in all seriousness, we do want to welcome everyone here this morning. So glad that you're here, and uh, grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. And open them up to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Father God, we love you this morning, and Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the words that you speak about each and every one of us. Um, Lord, I'm thankful, God, this morning that your word is truth. And God, we come to you this morning and we ask, Lord, that you would please speak to our hearts today. Father, I'm thankful that your Holy Spirit is present. And Lord, your Holy Spirit uh, will impact lives today. will speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for being faithful And we know, Father, that your word will never return unto you void, but, God, it will accomplish that which you have set for it to accomplish. And so, Lord, we thank you for that today. Thank you for every person that's here, God, today, those listening and those watching. Each and every one, Lord, are valuable and important to you. In fact, so important to you, God, that you gave the greatest gift and paid the highest price for each and every one of us that we might be in christ and that we might be reconciled to you thank you for the joy of being in christ today thank you for this family god of believers for this this family that we've gathered together here today and lord that father we're here for one purpose and that is that you god have brought us together as the body of christ and lord i thank you for that Lord, we think about other churches meeting in our community today. And, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would bless them and their time together, Lord, as they hear the word and apply it to their life today, God. I I just thank you so much for the faithful men and women that serve you. God, we love you this morning. I pray that, God, your will would be done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk this morning about the battle-ready mind, the battle-ready mind, and um, we're going to pick up here kind of where we left off last week in the 12th chapter of Romans. I'm going to read to you just a few verses here. We're going to be in several places in scripture today, so we'll be moving back and forth, flipping uh, from one place to the other, but we want to think about um, our mind that's ready for battle. By the way, most of us, that's where the greatest battle occurs, is that not right? It occurs in that small span between your ears. It is where the battle takes place. And so today, let's pick up here in the first verse of chapter 12. Paul the Apostle here is continuing on with this incredible gospel that he is sharing with Christians in Rome, those whom he have never met, um, and yet he had such a desire for them to understand and to know the gospel. Um, and he has laid out for us in the last 11 chapters, uh, this incredible gospel message, the truth of the gospel. And uh, today we're going to pick up here in verse 1 of chapter 12 where Paul continues and he writes, Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. He continues, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Today in the day we're living in, we know we live in a crazy time in the history of our nation, and with all of the social media that we have access to and with all of uh, the different information that comes across our eyes and our ears every single day, we're being bombarded with lots and lots of information. Although much of it is very good information, it still mostly has a very negative connotation to it in meaning. Um, And so I know for us as Christians today, and for those in Paul's day, as they were living in Rome, or whether they were living in Ephesus or Corinth in a very uh, strange and difficult time, no different than our own, um, we are called by God not to be conformed now, pressured into or pushed into the mold of the world. And that's what Paul is sharing for those in Rome, that they're not to be conformed to the world But they're to be transformed, which is an entirely different thing. A transformation is a change, and Paul is speaking of the change that comes from the regeneration that happens for every one of us that is in Christ Jesus. There is a change, and although we live in the world, we uh, we are not of it. We're just in the world, and we're here to accomplish the will of God upon the earth, the will of God in heaven upon the earth. Here in heaven, on earth, and God is doing that through you and through me. Here upon this earth as we are now waiting once again one day for the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is coming again. And so not only the transformation but we need a renovation of our mind. How many of you know that after a week of media and social media and news you feel like you need to have a renovation of your mind. Anybody like that? Yeah I think we could all be uh, in in accord there on that. And so the renovation that takes place in our mind is very important that we have what Paul calls the mind of Christ, that we are to have the mind of Christ. And in doing so, it's going to help us now as we live here in the world, although we're not of it, we're in it, and all the things going on around us, and more so today than any other time in history. Um, we know that if there's a tragedy that we read about in the papers in a country for thousands of miles from here, we automatically know about it almost instantaneously, and so we're constantly being bombarded with all types of information. And so, what we're going to need to do is to understand that there is a battle that's going on, and it's going on oftentimes in our minds, and that's what the enemy does in many cases: is he 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 battles us in our mind. And so we're going to look at that today, that in order for us to understand and comprehend the will of God in our lives here upon the earth, we're going to have to do something with our minds, and that's going to need a renewing every single day and every single week. And there's no better place to renew your mind than by spending it in the Word of God. Amen? And because it's truth, and uh, very important that we spend time in the Word of God. Now, Paul the Apostle has just finished now speaking ...in uh, the 11th chapter, and we didn't spend much time there, and we will go back to that. Um, But in chapter 9, we learned about the sovereignty of God in salvation, that God is sovereign in salvation. Right next to it in chapter um, 10, we understood that Paul was also speaking now of something that seems a little bit in tension... ...with the sovereignty of God in salvation, and that is the responsibility of man in regards to salvation... So not only is God sovereign in salvation, but man is entirely responsible for God in his decision of salvation. And so Paul lays those things side by side, and they seem to be somewhat in a friction to one another, but they're not. We leave them there. That's where Paul lays them, and we just accept that, that that's how God has sovereignly chosen to work out his salvation plan upon the earth. And so when we make our way to chapter 11, now Paul is going to now talk about both Israel, the Jew, and also again about the Gentile. And that's what Paul has been talking about through this entire gospel, is that the gospel is not only for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile. And that the Jew is not right with God just based on the fact that they were from a lineage um, and a chosen people any more than the Gentile is And so he makes it clear that all have sinned before God and all need the forgiveness and the salvation of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is making it very, very clear as he speaks to this early church about the true gospel. And it's important that we understand that today, especially as we move forward in time. There's going to be more and more of a challenge and more and more discrepancy when it comes to the true gospel message. And we know in our day that's happening. The gospel itself has been watered down in many, many cases. Uh, It's become a free gospel in the fact that it's a name it, claim it. There's all kinds of different gospels out there. But Paul wants us to stick to the truth of the word of God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to maintain that. And in chapter 11, Paul is talking about how God chose the nation of Israel. And he did that through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he passed that all the way down. And um, he's continuing on there with the salvation of the, we'll call it the olive tree. He gives an aggregarian um, understanding and a teaching here that they are the branches, that were some of them were broken off, uh, that those in disbelief were broken off, and that because of Israel's disbelief or unbelief in Christ, we know that the Gentiles were now grafted in as a wild olive branch. We've been grafted into the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. That's an incredible thing to think about that you and I were grafted in. And so Paul is sharing in chapter 11 about this incredible mystery of the grace and the mercy and the magnificent sovereignty of God. That God did something incredible here. That yes, he chose Israel as his own nation, as his own people. And he made them into a mighty nation. And they were set apart to be different for God upon the earth that the nation of Israel would be looked at and looked upon as those that belonged to the Most High God, the one true God of all creation. And they would be his people, and he would be their God. And we know that, you read the Old Testament, that they were not always faithful to that, but oftentimes they actually walked and lived in disobedience. And then Christ comes on the scene, and they, as a nation, as a whole... Uh, rejected now that Christ was the Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament who was to come. And so the nation of Israel as a whole, as a nation, rejected the Messiah. And they are still as a nation, as a whole now, living in unbelief. But even in that, as Paul talks about preaching this gospel, that his people would be saved. And there are many Jews, um, not the majority, but there are many Jews throughout history that have come to be in faith of Christ as Messiah. They are Messianic Jews. And we have brothers and sisters who are Jewish in their lineage that are in Christ this morning because they believe in the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. The rest of the nation of Israel as a whole is still living in disbelief and in unbelief of Messiah. They're still waiting now for Messiah to come. They're still preparing for the day when the Messiah will return or the time of Messiah will come. When God in that time of peace will reign upon the earth and Israel right there in Jerusalem will be the place where where everything will be established. And that's going to happen in the future. Jesus Christ is coming again, but the nation of Israel as a whole has still remained in unbelief. And Paul shares in chapter 11 an incredible mystery. And this is the great thing about this gospel. If you Let me read you just a section here in verse 25 after he's talking about the grafting of Jews. Uh, of of Gentiles and replacing the broken-off branches, if you will, being grafted in where those in unbelief now have have been broken off. Listen to this incredible section here in verse 25 of chapter 11. Paul goes on and says, "...lest you be wise in your own sight." He didn't want the Gentiles to become puffed up as the Jews had the capability of being early on in Romans uh, as Paul begins to make it clear that, listen, the Gentile is in no worse position than the Jew is before God. And so Paul is going to make sure that the early believing Jews, who many of them were in the early church, would not be puffed up as thinking there's something above a Gentile and that the Gentiles were somehow subordinate to those who are in Christ as a Jew. And Paul lays out a framework that everyone before God is on a level playing field. And he's doing this again, that you as Gentiles, that's me and you, all of us who are non-Jews, We could become puffed up thinking, well, listen, God has allowed those to be broken off who are living in unbelief in order that we as Gentiles were grafted in now to the nation of Israel. And Paul says, don't you dare get puffed up in that for those in the early church, especially and for those of us today. Listen, when I look at the nation of Israel and I meet a Jewish brother or sister, I I love those people. I just love the Jewish people. And I have a heart that loves them. I realize that they are living in unbelief, but the scripture is clear that God blesses those who bless Israel and he curses those who curse Israel. And it is very important that as a nation that we do not forget that Israel doesn't need us half as bad as we need Israel. And we must stay focused on the fact that we are not going to curse the nation of Israel. We want to bless that nation. And the truth is we are blessed because of Israel. That's why we are blessed. And we need Israel. We need Israel. God has not forgotten his people. He has not forgotten them. And he's never going to forget them. Why? Because Paul says here in the 11th chapter that God's calling is irrevocable. He's not going to er evoke his calling on the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel will be brought back into this amazing, incredible inflow into who Christ is in the coming days. That's going to happen. What an incredible God that we serve. Listen to this, though. This will really make you um, have a heart of complete and total just thankfulness unto God. Listen to what happens here in verse 25. Paul says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. It's a mystery again. That wasn't made known necessarily in the Old Testament. It's pointing to the day. It's pointing to the time. The old prophets actually looked to the future and saw this time. But the nation of Israel did not understand this. And this is what it says. There's a mystery, brothers. And this is it. That a partial partial hardening. The partial hardening has come upon Israel. And the reason for their hardening was that the fullness of the Gentiles would be brought in, that God in his own mercy, in his own sovereignty, in the unbelievable greatness of our God has done something incredible, that he has allowed for a hardening for a time period now on the nation of Israel who rejected Christ as Messiah in unbelief. And Israel is living in unbelief now, but they will not always stay in unbelief. And there's a a portion of time called the age of grace. That's what we're living in. That's the gospel of Paul, the gospel of grace. It's only for a period of time that God is going to now let Israel remain in hardened. Although there are some Jews coming to faith in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Amen. But right now there is a time... Of God showing the Gentiles the exact favor, the exact grace, and the exact mercy that he showed on the nation of Israel. God now is turning that and showing that to the Gentiles. This is why it's so incredible. No one will ever stand before God and say that you are unjust, God. You never will because everything he does is perfect and just. This is a mind blower. That God looking through the quarters of history before the foundation of the world. This is incredible that this was in the mind of God before the very first word of creation was ever spoken that God would do what he's doing in these days. It's incredible. And so Israel is living in a season of time of a hardened heart of, of a rejection of the true Messiah They're living there, and right now, during this age of grace, you and I have been grafted into the nation of Israel because of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Gentiles, right now, during the age of the church... From that point in, in Acts all the way until now, we have the church age, which is where we as Gentiles now have been grafted into the nation of Israel because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is being preached upon the earth. And you and I have been grafted into the nation of Israel, the people of God, the body of Christ Christ. This incredible, incredible mercy and love of God has been poured out on your heart, Christian. And you have been placed in the nation of God, the people of God. And that's where you and I stand this morning. It's incredible. And so for a time now, it says. And it says that this partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of of the gentiles has come in there is a time when the last gentile will place his faith and trust in the lord jesus christ and the fullness of the gentiles will be brought in and god says that is what the end of this age will look like that's why we preach the gospel around the world we're preaching the gospel in other parts of the world all over this globe. And we're, we're following the mandate that God had placed upon the disciples to go into all the world and to preach to every creation this gospel of Jesus Christ. There's coming a time when the last Gentile will be actually brought into the kingdom of God's grace and mercy. And it will happen one day. And when that happens, the church age as we know it will be rolled up. It will be completed. And then God will now, with his calling, it it will not be revoked. He will now turn his heart to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel still today is the center of the world. Even today. If you do not believe the Bible... Uh, Because of certain things, listen, just look at the people of Israel and that ought to give you enough to say our God is true and awesome. The nation of Israel is still here today. Although they've, they've, Satan has tried to eradicate the nation of Israel. He's tried to wipe them from the face of the earth. He's tried to extinguish them as a nation and as a people. And let me tell you something. It will never happen because they are God's chosen people. And the remnant of Israel will always last and will always be saved. It's going to happen. That's why Israel is an important thing for us to watch. As we see the world culminating around Israel. We see the anti-Semitic speech. We see the hate of the world all zeroed in on the nation of Israel. Why do they hate these people so much out of all the people of the world? Why do people hate Israel of all people? Because they are God's people. It's always been this way. And it always will be. So we are living in a time. In just a mystery of a period where the Gentiles have received the same grace and the same mercy and the same love and the same compassion that God would be saving from the Gentiles, those he had not chosen as a nation. He's now grafting them into his people, the nation of Israel, as we will be called and are called, the people of God. Now that's coming to an end. And as we see the rapid approaching days moving forward with great strides, with incredible speed, it's as if it's a runner that starts from the blocks, and as he moves out, it gets faster and faster and faster, and we're seeing this happening in our day and our time. It's as if everything is just escalating so fast today. Technology is just, boo, it is going at the most rapid speed that you can't even comprehend it incredible so we find in 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 the gospels even jesus sharing things that are going to be taking place as the birth pains of this delivery get closer and closer and closer together we read in scripture and we see these things happening upon the face of the earth and we know that our salvation draws closer and closer every single day And so as Christians, we are filled with joy in our hearts, but we have an urgency within our spirits that the gospel will be preached to those that we love and those who do not know Christ. That's why we preach this gospel. That's why we share this gospel. Because there's coming a day in which the church age will end and the Gentiles all grafted into the nation of Israel and then the church of God being pulled out And now God focusing back to his people, Israel, as this thing culminates right there in the Middle East, and that's where all these things in the future will take place. So Paul says some things here that are very important in the day we're living in. It's an incredible time to be alive as a Christian. Uh, I want to encourage you now as we think about this whole thing of our mind. Why is it so important that Paul says, listen, we got to renew our minds. And today in the world we're living in, I know that there's people here uh, that find themselves feeling very anxious. Um, I happen to be a news junkie. And so I have to be careful that there's a point in time where I've got to say, okay, that's enough news for a day. Sometimes it doesn't take but one or two minutes, right? (laughs) So this is very, very important. And so Paul, in this 11th chapter, and I'm not going to get very far this morning... In this 11th chapter, listen to what Paul says now... ...as we move through this, which is absolutely incredible. In verses 28. Need some glasses here. It says, "As As regards the gospel, who? Israel. They are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't retract them because he is faithful, remember? Remember our marriage thing, his covenant's faithful. It's it's enduring, it's everlasting. That's what God is. For just as you were one at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have been disobedient in order that they may also be shown mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And listen to what Paul says. He can hardly contain himself. This is so incredible. Paul just goes out and says this. He stops and he just begins to praise God. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known The mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has been given a gift, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul had to stop writing things down and just praise the Lord there. He couldn't stand it any longer. We are in this amazing time in history, the history of the church. This age of grace. And then Paul starts out, Therefore, now that you understand as a Christian, as a Gentile, how God has shown mercy and grace toward you, and that Israel has in part been hardened, if you will, until you and I and all those who are Gentiles are yet to be brought in and grafted in that God has in part hardened the nation of Israel, and they're living in disobedience to God and unbelief to Christ as Messiah. And now you and I have been given the mercy and the grace and the unbelievable poured out riches of God have been lavished upon you as a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer in this gospel. You have been grafted into the nation of God, the people of God. We are a part of God's people. And so Paul says, now that you understand this, this is why you need to understand something about the way you live your life. He says, the way you live your life matters because now you are my people. And how in the world is the world ever going to know me as God and that I separate from myself a people of my own who are a little bit different than the rest of the world? That you are somehow set apart and you have something different about you. You have a different spirit about you. You love when people persecute you. You do not strike back when someone is, is after you and against you. You don't have to defend yourself, if you will, we're the type of people that are open and loving to those who need to hear the gospel. We do things different. Our businesses are different. The way we love our wives and the way we love our kids and the way we live our lives and the, what we talk about and what we think about, these things are a result of a regeneration that's happened through Christ. You're a different people, man. It's okay to be a different people. It's a good thing, amen? Everybody today wants to be different but the church needs to be different it needs to be so different the hard part is that as you start studying scripture the challenging aspect of this is that we do not see the church in the latter times looking as though it's really different in fact if you read through John's revelation And you look at the church age there and really every single one of those churches representing the age of the church. What you find at the very end is a church by the name of Laodicea and it is a very lukewarm church. It just kind of has that yeah feeling, you know. I don't know about you but when I take a bath I want it to make my legs red, it's so hot. You know what I'm saying? He says be either hot or cold, don't be lukewarm. But what we find is as we look through scripture and study scripture and Jesus says, will there even be faith upon the earth when I return? that the church starts looking so much like the rest of the world, it gets difficult to even tell who the church is anymore. But Paul encourages us here that we need to renew our minds, that we need to be renovated through the Word of God, that we as a people of God should be set as a standard of showing the rest of the world what it looks like to be saved and changed and the new life that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And that we will continue on doing what we have been mandated by God to do so in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 6 this is hopefully encouraging for you today let me say this do you all understand the victory that is for those who are in Christ we do not need to be downtrodden church we do not need to be God told us this is how things would be in his word Jesus says, the world's going to hate you because of me. But what I find is the church wants everybody to love it. In fact, it wants to be popular. It wants to be culturally somehow acceptable by the world. But that's not what they need. They need to see people who have been regenerated by Christ, who have the Spirit of God indwelling them, who are actually displaying and showing Christ to the world. So in Philippians 4, 6-8, through 8, this is a good verse for you to memorize. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody anxious about anything this morning? I think you are. <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication or by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. It's an incredible thing that we have with prayer. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, what we do when we live in a time where everybody is just becoming unraveled. Listen, guys, we're living in that time in our country. But as your pastor, I want to encourage you. um, Don't be anxious about all that you see. But pray, but pray, pray to God. We don't stop praying when things get tough, we keep praying. We we become more involved and more desiring of prayer. And so as we see all this stuff happening and you're watching the news, you're watching our government completely come unhinged, And you scratch your head and say, this cannot really be happening. But it is. We don't have to fret. See, I had to be reminded of this because just the way that I think. And if you're like me, I'm a very abstract person. I'm black and white in the way I think. And for me, um, I I really was getting anxious. See, I I want to, let's go here. But I can't fight this thing like that. I can't fight my enemy like you and I want to fight the enemy. I can't do it. He's an enemy that I can't fight physically. Can't happen. And really what we're having going on in our country and what's going on in the world, listen to me, it is a spiritual war and a spiritual battle. What we're really dealing with here, guys, is all spiritual and you're seeing this whole country tip itself way over here. And the issues that we see that are, I, that are defining our nation, defining our people, and defining our culture, and defining our very own government. Listen, they're all moral issues, every one of them. And what we're dealing with is a spiritual war and a spiritual battle. And we must be engaged in this, but only in the way that God gives us to be engaged and that's what we need to do. He says, so this is what it says in verse 8. Finally, brothers, in Philippians chapter 4, he says, whatever's true, this is so important we get this. Whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. So, after you go to your Lord and you pray, and you pray for all the things that are troubling you, and you give thanks to God, why would we give thanks to God? Because, listen, Christian, you're in Christ. You are in Christ, and that's where you are in position. That is an incredible thing that God has done in your life, that he has offered you the grace and mercy of salvation, and he has given you the faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the one Messiah, that he is God, and you are in Christ. If you look at our world and you look at our culture and you say, God, I don't know what I can praise you for, then you've missed the whole point. You're in Christ Jesus. You always have something to praise God for. We are in Christ Jesus. And what we do is our heart breaks for our culture. That heart breaks for our society. Our heart breaks for loved ones who do not know Christ. And what does that do? Some of you here are like me. You have an urgency inside of you that just seems to just drive you along. And this urgency is that we want people to know Jesus. That's what we want. And let me tell you something, we can argue in the halls of Congress, in the Senate, and we can have election after election, and nothing is going to fix this country. The only thing that we have any hope in, Christian, it's not in our money, it's not in our government, it is not in the place in which we live. Our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he alone should be our hope. Amen? Amen. Frankly, I'm not looking for a politician who will fix this thing because there is no one who will fix this thing. I'm not looking to the Senate to be able to figure all this stuff out or a Congress that somehow has lost its mind. I'm not looking for those things to fix what's wrong in America. And I believe that we as Americans ought to vote. We need to vote according to not our own dictates but only and solely according to this. And the truth is, guys, listen... We need to understand that Jesus Christ has always been and always will be the only hope for a people, for a nation, and for the world. He is the only hope. That's the thing we have to get back to. It's Jesus. And so as you're anxious about all things, everything you pray, God, and you praise Christ, and you thank him for your salvation. And our heart breaks for what we see happening But in the end, God is completely sovereign. So, what do we do? Well, you'll have to come back next week. (laughs) All right? And we'll pick up there next week. That's a cliffhanger, by the way. Yeah. Actually, that's almost rude, right? So, what do you do this week? Let me encourage you. Spend time with your Savior. When I spend time with Jesus, my anxiety leaves. See, he's the one. When the storm around the Sea of Galilee was getting out of hand and these brave masculine fishermen were starting to fret for their life, was asleep in the back of the boat. And they get Jesus' attention like, hey man, you better... You better wake up here. This thing's fixing to get bad. Sounds like me. God, I think you're sleeping. I don't understand what's going on here. This thing's getting crazy. And what's Jesus do? He simply just says, Peace, be still. And all of a sudden, it just dies. See, he is... The one true God. And with just a word, he said, let there be light. And there was light. He is sovereign. And when you get anxious, go to Christ. And you know what he'll do in your soul? is it will be as if it just completely dies out. And you hear him say, be still and know that I am God. We don't do nothing or anything. There's things that we do. The first thing we do, guys, is we pray. Is we spend time with Jesus and we pray. And we listen and we obey. We're going to close in prayer. I pray that this morning, if you're anxious about anything, that you would spend some time with Jesus, that you would go to him, pray, let him know your concerns, listen to him as he speaks and tells you things that are true that you need to know. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you this morning for Jesus Christ. None of us here, none of us who will come to faith in Christ deserve absolutely anything at all. (laughs) Lord, you have showed us your mercy and your grace. Lord, we are not unaware of our day and our time, of our culture and all that we see going on around us. But Lord, may it drive us closer to you. May we spend time with you, Jesus, in these days. May we hear you speak to us and walk in obedience to you. May we be a people, God, that would be different in this day. A a people that would love, that would go, that would reach, that would obey you. Father, may we be a people that have peace and joy in spite of the circumstances father may we just be grateful for your amazing and unending love so lord as we think about things this week as we come against the battle of our minds may we turn to you and ask you god just to bring peace to our minds as we get in your word and we read about you god about what you've said about the things that you've revealed to us through your word. God, we do not need to be in despair. We do not need to fret. But Lord, you placed us here because we are to be the light of the world who is desperately in need of a savior. Everyone's looking for some way to solve this thing, God. It's all part of your plan. And Jesus, you're the answer. Lord, I know one day God, you're coming for your own. There is coming a day, Lord, when the last Gentile will be brought in. Maybe he or she is here this morning. Maybe she's listening to the voice of God today, or he's hearing you speak to them right now. And they are placing their faith and trust in you, Jesus. This could be the very day that we go to be with you. Father, Lord, if you're speaking, today's the day of salvation. And I pray that your people would have a heart of peace, a heart of joy, a spirit of happiness. Because Christ, you live in us. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people, these amazing people, Lord, at this church. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.